of, of great people and great men who have labored and, and served many years in a tremendous capacity in the kingdom of God. The history of this church is rich. The heritage is rich. And I know I don't need to tell you this, but you all are a very blessed church to have the history, the heritage, and the leadership that you have in this church here in Bakersfield. And I, I think they're worthy of honor tonight. Amen. Amen. It's, it's neat to get to um, talk to them a little bit. Um, I've heard so many stories from my bishop, Larry Booker, um, about these men, and especially Bishop Frost, and just some uh, fun and hilarious encounters, and just some great stories, moments they've shared together. So it's great getting to actually be with them and talk to them in person. Um, and I want to thank one more time Brother Bradford just for, and Sister Bradford for spending some time with my wife and I. Uh, we know when you pastor a church this large, people are always coming in and out. Evangelists, friends, guest ministers, whatever. And, um, and it can be easy to just, for some people to think that every time they come through that to just, well, entertain me, pastor, entertain me. And, uh, but we, we know that their time is valuable. And so they have a lot of people coming through, a lot of uh, uh, things on their hands. So the fact that you stopped some uh, stopped a little bit of your schedule to spend some time with us and eat with us and fellowship with us, uh, it is very much appreciated. So thank you for your time and for your conversation. Amen. Without any further ado, my wife is standing there waiting on me and uh, ready to sing and lead us into worship. Amen. So worship with her as she sings tonight. blood 
some praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, where would I be without the precious blood, amen, that covered me when I went down in the waters of baptism? And when the preacher said, in Jesus' name over me, his blood spiritually covered me, and I was never, ever the same again. Are you thankful that the record of all your past, present, and future sins can be washed away in baptism in the name of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Amen. I just want to say again, if you have never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the removal and the remission of all of your sins, there's a part in scripture where one of the apostles says, what's hindering you to be baptized? Here's water. What, what, what good reason would you have not to be baptized when God has offered this free gift of salvation and this free gift of a remission of sins? 
If you've never been baptized and you're covering the weight of sins on your cover, you're, you're, you're holding the weight of sins on your own back. Amen. Why not make the decision even tonight? God, I'm not going to hold on to these sins any longer. I'm not going to try to hold them on my back any longer because there's some things that human beings were never meant to carry and there's some things that only Jesus Christ can carry and those things are the weight and the record of your sins. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you need to be. It's one of the best decisions you could ever make in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to sing one more song, amen. You can stay, you can remain standing, you can be seated, whatever you're comfortable with. But just worship with us one more time as we sing tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Jesus. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe, oh, I've seen you do it again. Somebody would praise him right now if you believe he's a mountain mover. Come on, sing it with us one more time. Sing it with us again. your faithfulness Jesus all across this house why don't we lift our hands and call out to him right now come on why don't we just have a moment with him come on 
we're apostolic. We can just bask here in the spirit right now. Come on, that's it. Keep praying. We got some people seeking God. Let's just take a few more seconds and linger on him. Come on. This is what this is all about. Jesus, your promise still stands. God, if you said it, it's going to come to pass. Oh, the Lord is not a liar. The Lord will come through on his word. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Why don't you sing this with us one more time? Just sing the chorus. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. That's beautiful. Sing it out. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me. You've never failed me yet. You've never failed me yet. Come on, just let those words sink in. You've never failed me yet. Can you just stand on that? You've never failed me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we put our hands together for the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Hallelujah, you can return to your seats. Amen, thank you for responding the presence of the Lord here tonight. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. How many know God is able to finish the work that he started in every single one of us? Hey, Amen. He's not done. He's just getting started. And Like the song says, even when we cannot see it, he's working. Even when we cannot feel it, he's working. He's moving mountains in our life. He's in the process of finishing the work that he started in you a long time ago. Maybe it was months ago, maybe it was years ago, but God is doing the work. Amen. I wonder if one more time, I just, I'm sorry, if we could just put our hands together for Jesus. I just, uh, hallelujah. 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 Amen. I do want to turn to the word of the Lord. I, I really do feel to preach this. Um, it, it has to be that I really feel to preach this or because there's other directions I could have gone even even right now in this moment when the spirit flooded this place but even with 
even with what we're feeling right now, I still believe this is where God wants us to go. And so I want to turn to the book of John, chapter 3, verses 28 through 30. The book of John, chapter 3, verses 28 through 30. Amen. It says this, You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which stands and hears him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Amen. Why don't you look at your neighbor and read that passage of scripture. He must increase, but I must decrease. Amen. This is a familiar passage of scripture, but a very important one. How many know the only way for God to increase in our lives is if we decrease? God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's perfect. He cannot get any bigger than he already is. So the only way for him to get bigger in your life and in my life is if we get smaller. And I believe God wants to increase and multiply and grow in each and every one of our lives tonight. Amen. And if that's what you want, I know I'm in a church full of people that want that as well. Why don't you put down your Bibles and just one more time before you're seated, lift your hands. And why don't you just make sure Jesus knows how much you want to hear from him. Let's just make sure Jesus knows how much you love him. Hallelujah. Let's make sure he knows that, that, that we're going to remove every distraction and put everything aside. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. We trust you. God, whatever you want to do in this house, let it be done. Whatever you want to remove from me, God, so you can make something better in me and out of me, let it be. So be it, Jesus. Let your will be done. Not my will, God, but thy will be done. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. Amen. We live in a world of addition. We live in a society and a country that constantly demands more, 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 and more. We like to see how much we can acquire of any given thing, whether that is cars or whether that's tools, whether that is uh, uh, items that we use for our hobbies, whether that's knickknacks, whether that's just money itself. Maybe it's just worthless items that we like to hoard and stockpile up in our garages. But whatever it is, we like to have more, 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 and more. It is amazing to see this principle emerge in us and humanity from a very young age. In fact, if you observe children, you will often hear them cry out things like, mine, mine, or more, more. I have personally, Brother Bradford, never heard a two-year-old cry, less, mom, less, please, dad. The only time they would say that is if they're referring to spankings. Then they probably would say that. Children are obsessed with having more. They will ask for more food even though they have absolutely no plans to eat the food at all. Whether they need a given thing or not, to them more is always good. And we can see all around us that humanity is obsessed with more. But what I want to propose tonight to us, church, is that we should actually be more obsessed with less. 
If you just do a quick Google search on the subject, you will find that learning subtraction is much harder for the average person than learning addition is. And therefore, because subtraction is less instinctive to most of us, it is rarely given the attention that it deserves, even in the church. But I would propose to you that subtraction is every bit as important as addition. Jesus said in Matthew 9, verses 16 through 17, no one, and I'm paraphrasing, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment because the patch will tear away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. Jesus is telling us here that that amongst other things, that we cannot just add to him whatever we want. Jesus is letting us know that subtraction is every bit as important as addition because oftentimes we have to subtract before we can add. We can get so full of ourselves, our poor habits, our poor perspectives, our complacencies that God cannot add unto us until we allow him to subtract from us. You have to take away the old wineskin before you can have a new wineskin and any of that new wine. If you try to add the new wine into the old wineskin, there will be problems. But you must subtract the old wineskin first and then introduce the new wineskin and the new wine. So subtraction is every bit as important as addition. You cannot, in many cases, have any addition until subtraction first takes place. And this is what I want to talk to us about tonight. I want to preach to you about the law of subtraction. You will find this law of subtraction all throughout your Bible. How about Ezekiel 11 and 19, which says, And I will give them one heart, and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a new heart of flesh. Do you see here that the removal has to take place before the addition can take place? Before God can put in that new, wonderful, beautiful heart, he has to first remove and take out that old stony heart. The person that has the stony heart must first surrender their heart and subtract the old heart in order to receive a new heart. Amen? Pretty simple enough. At least it seems simple on the surface. Yet then why do we have such a hard time with subtraction? Why are some of us even feeling uncomfortable right now? Amen. In the beginning of this sermon. It's because in my opinion that, that sometimes we can think that we become great or achieve something great by the more that we acquire. But Jesus says that we become great by what we subtract. Mark 10, verses 17 through 22, records the story of the rich young ruler. Again, I'm going to paraphrase to get through this quickly, but basically it says as this young man was, uh, excuse me, as Jesus was setting out on a journey, this young man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked Jesus, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and mother, etc., etc." And And he said unto him, teacher, I have kept all of these things from, from my childhood, my youth up. And looking at him, the Bible says, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, there is one thing you lack. Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But at these words, the young ruler was saddened and he went away grieving for he had great possessions. 
say, why did you read that, that whole story? Let me explain. The rich young ruler went to Jesus thinking, how can I add you to my life? When in reality, what he needed was not addition, he needed subtraction. Because Jesus was not going to be just another token piled on top of this man's treasure. Do you see that Jesus is not just something that we add to our lives here and there or add to our lives when it's convenient. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He's not just something we add every now and then. He is to be at the very center of our life, the very core of our life. He is the way, the truth, and the only life worth living. Amen? So Jesus said, no, rich young ruler, you got it all wrong. You need to subtract. And he was saying, actually, young ruler, it really isn't your money and your possessions I'm worried about. It's your mentality about them. It's not just that he had great money because we know that another character in the Bible, Zacchaeus, had great money. And Jesus didn't tell him to do the same thing that he told the young ruler to do. He's not asking each and every one of us to empty out our bank accounts and just be completely broke and go homeless. This is not a prescriptive thing. It's a descriptive thing. What he was trying to point out is this man's mentality about his possessions, knowing that that was the problem. Jesus was trying to help him see that this young man was way too focused on material things. And interestingly, that's why Jesus, Jesus offered him something immaterial, something intangible, something spiritual. He was demonstrating his point. He knew that this young man was not going to trade all of his physical possessions for something intangible, something spiritual that you cannot taste, hold, and smell and see the way you can money or gold coins or jewels and rubies. Amen. So Jesus was demonstrating his point. And just stay with me. I'm, 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 I'm building this up, but we're going to move quickly here in a moment. Jesus, of course, was spot on with his assessment because the young man left without gaining Jesus more attached to his possessions than he was Jesus. But here's the thing. He was not a bad man. A lot of times we like to look at the rich young ruler and we like to think of this, just this pompous young man that just doesn't care about anything and just is rude and arrogant and nasty. But the Bible says that Jesus felt a love for this young man. And this young man had kept a lot of the commandments. So what this tells us is that he was not a bad man. You with me? He was not a bad man. Just a man who was not willing to let go. A man who was not willing to subtract. If you don't believe me yet, let me just remind you of Acts 20 and verse 35, where the author says, it is more blessed to give, to subtract, than to receive, add. Because if you are willing to subtract, then God himself will add unto you. But he cannot add to you or add to me if we are so full of our own ways, our own thinking, our own mindsets, our own habits, etc., I don't know about you, but I don't want to be full of me. I don't want to be full of Brennan Claiborne. I don't want to be so full of humanity that God cannot add anything unto me. I want to be willing to let go whatever I have to let go in order to make room for God to add his greatness and add his power and add his blessings to me. Every single one of us here 
have something that we can work on. Every single one of us here, nobody here has reached the place where we have completely emptied ourselves of flesh and we are now at complete full capacity for Jesus to come in and rule and reign in our hearts and lives. No, each and every one of us tonight in this place, myself included, has some things that we must subtract, that we must be willing to let go of. Why? Not because Jesus is, is just wanting to, to, to bash us over the head and, and, and give us a hard time, but because he wants to add unto us, he wants to give to us, he wants to bless us, but there is some things that he cannot give and cannot add to us until we subtract some things from ourselves and from our own lives. Amen. Let me, let me give you a, a, a practical example. Money can only help you if you have the right mentality about money. If somebody has the wrong mentality about money, you can add unto them money all you want. You can throw wads of cash on them all you want, and they still will go and do the wrong thing with it. They still will go blow it, and in a few weeks, they'll still end up broke. So the problem for them was not addition. It was not just that they needed more money. The problem for them was subtraction. If they could just subtract their poor mentality about money, then when the addition comes in, they would know how to handle it. They would be better off, and their lives would get better. So subtraction has to take place first before the addition. I can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure you've, you've seen this too, where, where uh, I've been in revivals. And, man, sometimes revivals around tax return season is difficult because people will come in, and they got no money. They're broke, so they're hungry for God, and they're, God, I need you. I can't pay the bills. I can't. They come in because they're desperate. They've got a need, and they get the Holy Ghost, and they get baptized. And then their tax return check comes in. And it was more than they thought. And the next thing you know, you don't see those people again for the next six months. Of course, until they're broke again and need something from God again. Right? And so there are some people in the halls and positions of power that think the problem is for all of our economy and all of our country, it's just a lack of money. And if everyone could just, we could just throw money at them, everything would be okay. Clearly that is not the case. Our problems are not just problems of addition. We have a lot of subtraction problems. There are a lot of reasons why we are not advancing, whether it's as a society or a nation or even as churches sometimes, because there are some things that we must subtract from us before we can receive, before we can add. There are some things God wants to give us, but what if our mentalities are wrong? What if our mentalities cannot handle and hold or facilitate the blessing or the power that God wants to put on our lives? What if God's wanting to give us spiritual money? But 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 because we we are we are and I'm not this is not <laughs> this is not to be unkind, amen. I, I, I'm saying what if we have a, a a a negative mentality about that spiritual money? So when God tries to give us that currency, whatever it is, whether it be faith or power or blessing, we cannot handle it, hold on to it, or receive it, and we're just left begging. And it's not because God does not have power, not because God cannot add. It's sometimes because we refuse to let go or to subtract. How many times has God tried to, try to lead us into the next dimension of the spirit? But because we've held on to fear for so long, he keeps trying to add unto us. But his perfect faith does not mix very well with our flawed fear. And so every time he tries to give it, it bounces back into his hand. And we refuse to let go of our security blankets. And we refuse to let go of our fears. What about doubt when we're praying, God, give me a spirit of boldness. God, give me an extra measure of faith. But there's some things we refuse to let go of. We refuse to trust him with. So every time he tries to add, it just comes right back null and void. 
there is a law of subtraction that we must heed to and we must obey. I'm moving quickly. Let me give you another example really quickly. In Matthew 13, 58, and as well in Mark 6, 5 through 6, Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth trying to teach and trying to minister. But what does the scripture tell us? It tells us that Jesus, God in flesh, did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Scripture says Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Jesus could not add unto them miracles, the miraculous. Their problem was not an addition problem. Their problem was not that Jesus was not showing up. Their problem was not that Jesus just forsook the hometown. Their problem was a subtraction problem. If we don't subtract our unbelief, how can faith be added unto us? So Jesus basically says, I'm not going to coerce them to submit or force them to change. If they don't want me here in this town, I will go elsewhere. You see, God will not work where he is not wanted. And I, of course, I know I'm preaching to a church that knows what it's like to see God work. And you absolutely want and desire to see God work. And we just saw him work in a mighty way on Sunday. And you will again this coming Sunday. So I'm not just preaching to the church corporately. I'm preaching to individual hearts and minds here in this place. God will not work where he's not wanted. We must subtract our unbelief. We must decrease so Jesus can increase in our lives. You say, preacher, this is uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but I want to grow. I want to be made uncomfortable. I want to get growing pains in me because I want to grow. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to subtract whatever I have to subtract in order to see greater miracles, in order to see greater power, in order to see Jesus perform and do things in my life like I've never seen them before. Is there anybody else that is hungry to see God increase in your life? You're hungry to see God increase in this church. You're hungry for more of God. And the more we let go of ourselves, the more we let go of our will, the more we say and mean it, not my will, but thy will be done, the more we surrender our plans to God, the more we are willing to be inconvenienced for the gospel, the more we decrease, Jesus will increase in our lives. What is it for you? Is it, is it, is it a, a, a mentality of fear or doubt? Is it a mentality of regret? Is it the past hanging over your head so much that, that God cannot give you the beautiful future he wants to give because you're so stuck on holding the horrible past in your hands? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's, a, it's, a, it's a mentality, maybe, and we could all fall into it of, 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 of just the cares of life. You're so caught up in the cares of life, amen, that you aren't maybe as sensitive as you used to be to the presence of God. And you aren't quite as hungry and passionate as you used to be. And God wants to give you a fresh hunger, a fresh fire, and a fresh passion. But it takes us repenting and being willing to submit our will and say, God, I know I'm not maybe where I could be. And I know I've let some things slide, but I want more of you. Maybe it's a mentality of, a, of small-mindedness where we just put God in a box and we pray, oh, God, perform the miracle. But because we think he can only move in such and such way and such and such times and we constrain him that we never see the miracles that God wants us to see. What if we could subtract that box and let God out of our small human-shaped box and start believing in the impossible and start believing that God can do absolutely anything and exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think? 
What if the problem is not God? What if, what if the God that you've been blaming is not the problem at all? But what if it's something inside yourself? Maybe I'm, I'm not preaching to everyone tonight. If the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. But if the shoe fits even a little bit, I really hope you'll try it on and you'll wear it and you'll talk to Jesus about this. Less of me so there can be more of you, God. I don't want to stay in this place that I am. I don't want to plateau where I am. I don't want to stay where I am spiritually. I, I want to become more sensitive to the voice of God. As an evangelist, I'm not seeing everything that I want to see in God. I'm not seeing all the miracles yet. I've seen great things and God's allowed me to see it, but I want to see more. And I know the only way I'm going to see more is not if I sit around, sit around and twiddle my thumbs and just, and just wait and look at the clock. I'm going to see more when I start subtracting less of me, less of Brennan Claiborne, when I start getting into that prayer room more, when I start getting to the house of God more and crucifying my flesh and saying and acting out, not my will, but thy will be done, God. Are we willing to put our will on the altar? Are we willing to crucify it? Are we willing to let it stay there and die? Are we willing to die daily as Paul said? I know I'm preaching to, I know there's people here that have lived twice, maybe three times as long, and you served God maybe twice or three times as long as I've been alive. So please understand the spirit, and I'm saying this, amen, I, I, I'm preaching to myself as well. There's some things, amen, that God wants us to subtract so he can add unto us. Now what if I told you, what if I told you that Jesus is not only interested in us subtracting the bad from our lives, but he's interested in us subtracting the good from our lives as well. Now that's the response I thought I would probably get, and that's okay. Let me explain. What did John say in the passage that we read, John the Baptist, he said, I must decrease so that Jesus can increase. Do you see a principle here? Do you see that John the Baptist was not a bad man, but he was a good man? Do you see not only was he a good man, but he was a man called and destined of God. He was fulfilling prophecy. He was doing the right thing. But even good old John the Baptist, a good and righteous man, had to leave in order that Jesus could come. Do you see that good had to be sacrificed for great? Jesus is not interested in us only subtracting the bad. He's interested in us subtracting the good as well because Jesus does not want us to settle for average. Jesus does not want us to settle for good. Jesus does not want us to settle for complacency. Jesus is wanting to take each and every one of us into a greater dimension than we've ever walked in before. Jesus is wanting to take this church into a greater dimension than it's ever been before. But the only way that we're going to get greater is if we sacrifice good. The only way that we're going to get greater if we say good is not good enough and we're not going to stay here and we're not going to settle for less and we're not going to settle for average. We're only going to settle for great. (laughs) 
John 16, verses 6 through 7. Come on, I'm, 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 just, I'm, I'm trying to get this in your mind so you see how true this is. And God put this principle in his word for a reason. And, and, and this is what the scripture says, John 16, 6 through 7. Jesus says, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He said, it is expedient for you. It is to your advantage, another translation says, that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. It is to your advantage that I leave so the Holy Ghost can come. Do you see that good had to leave so great could come? Great had to leave so greater could come. I am not diminishing Jesus. Some of you right there are thinking, oh, so he's saying Jesus is just average. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm reading to you Jesus' words. I'm not diminishing Jesus, but he said himself that the Holy Ghost, which is himself in spirit form, will be better than himself in limited flesh form. As a man, he was limited. As an indwelling spirit, he is unlimited. And this is why the Bible says, greater is he that is in us. Do you see? There is greater. There is good, but then there is better. There is great, but then there is greater. And God is wanting to take us into a dimension of greater. Now, now that he came back down to the earth as an indwelling spirit, he can spread the same gospel through thousands and millions of men and women. But as a man, he was walking the earth limited to only 12 around him. Now he can spread the same gospel through us. Now greater miracles can take place than have ever been taken before, and he can do them and work them through each and every one of us here tonight. But the disciples did not want Jesus to leave. Sorrow filled their heart. And I'm sure if we had Jesus sitting on the front row right here in fleshly form, none of us would want him to leave either. But the disciples did not understand this principle that I'm preaching to you tonight. That yes, it was wonderful to walk the earth with Jesus those three or three and a half years of his ministry. But Jesus was fixing to pour out something greater than the disciples and the apostles in the world had ever seen and ever known before. A lot of us would, we would, if we could, we would say, I want Jesus to be here in fleshly form. But what you don't realize is that the spirit that you have in you is more powerful than anything else this world has ever seen. You don't have to have Jesus in fleshly form sitting next to you on the pew because you have Jesus in spirit form dwelling inside of you. You have greater inside you. Now is no longer the time to fear. Now now is no longer the time to, 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 to doubt the power of God that is working within us. He said, greater works than these shall you do. He said, you'll raise the dead and you'll heal the sick and great miracles will happen. Greater works than these shall you do. But in order to see it, you've got to sacrifice. You've got to subtract the good. Great had to be sacrificed for greater. Jesus had to go so the spirit of Jesus could come. 
I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. I, I know, I believe I'm talking to the church as a unit, as a whole. And, 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 and please don't think, oh, this young preacher comes here and he doesn't know all that's been happening in the church and all the great things we've seen. Please, none of this is a rebuke. None of this is saying, amen, that you are not, uh, 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 have not experienced these things and have not seen great and mighty and awesome miracles. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying for each and every one of us in every church across America, there is a greater that Jesus is trying to bring them to. There is a greater dimension and a greater walk and a greater power and greater faith and greater miracles and greater blessing than we've ever seen before. But it's up to us to start subtracting some things so the greater can come. Hallelujah. 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 We see this often. There are prerequisites for God's power to fall. Why else would he say, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I forgive their sins. I'll hear their land. I'll come down. I'll start working miracles. I'll be there. Notice there was an if at the beginning of the passage. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then revival and healing and forgiveness will be poured out on the land. So there was a prerequisite for God's action there was something the people of God needed to do in that instance. Notice it did not say if the heathens pray and if the pagans pray. It said, if my people, which are called by my name, then these things will happen. We cannot sit and wait around for society outside those four walls to correct itself and to start getting better and start improving. We cannot start waiting for the heathens and the pagans to get down on their knees and pray before and to see great mighty miracles happen. No, that's not what, that's not what God said. He said, if my people, the people of my name, those Jesus name folk, would get down on their knees, humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways or whatever, if there be any, and start praying, then the power and the glory will fall. Society is not going to get any better. The government is not going to fix itself. Our city officials are not all of a sudden going to become pure and righteous and start reading the King James overnight. No. It's up to us, it's up to the people of God to start, to start shifting and start working and doing the things that God is calling us to do in order to see the greatest revival and the greatest miracles that we've ever seen before. And I know there's people that are here tonight. Some of you may be a little uncomfortable and, and maybe A, it's just because I'm not preaching good and that's fine if that's the case. Maybe B, maybe B, it's because you know that God has been asking you to surrender some things and to let some things go. Maybe they be good things or maybe they be average decent things, but they're keeping you from going to that next place and God's been speaking to you and God's been talking to you, but you've been holding on every tighter, ever tighter every time he tries to get you to let it go. And I'm preaching to you tonight and I'm talking to you tonight. There is nothing that God will take from you that he will not give back better in return. He is not asking something from you to hurt you or to punish you. He is wanting to take something and let you release something so he can give you something so much better in return, but he cannot give you the blessing he's always wanted to give you until you let go. Until you subtract. One man said, complacency has destroyed more people than adversity. Complacency has destroyed more people than adversity. And I believe that because adversity, if faced correctly, can actually build something beautiful and strong and integral out of you. But complacency, what do we do with that? 
I don't know about you, I don't want to stay where I am. I don't want to stay in the place that I am. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want our churches across America to stay where they are right now. And great things are happening. And I've seen awesome things, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to stay where we are, Brother Cosme. I don't want to stay where, where, where we are, Brother Frost. I, I believe there's more that God wants to give us. And, and, and he's waiting on us for some things. And he's, he's waiting on some of us just to pray, maybe even just to start a prayer life. Maybe he's waiting on some of us to take spiritual disciplines more seriously. Maybe he's waiting on some of us to forgive forgive somebody that we've never been able to forgive because only when we forgive will we be forgiven. Only when we release can God add forgiveness unto us. Do, do you see the principle? Whatever it is, maybe God's been waiting on us to let go of some bitterness or to let go of some hurt or to let go of some regrets or to let go of our unbelief and our lack of faith because maybe we've prayed a million times for something and we've never seen it come to pass yet so now we're just holding on to unbelief and doubt but God says let that go and trust me so I can add unto you. I wonder if we could lift our hands and pray all over this house. I'm almost done preaching. Come on, let's pray. Come on, can we with open hearts and open minds ask Jesus what he's talking to us about individually tonight. Jesus, if there's something that I need to release, if there's something I need to let go, if there's a greater that you're trying to give to me but I'm too busy holding on to good, show me so I can let go and you can give me something so much better. I really do feel the Holy Ghost here. I really do. Oh, Jesus. It can be so easy. Musicians, please come. It can be so easy to say to ourselves in our own lives, our marriages, our families, our church. It's such a human thing to say to ourselves, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's so easy to say that. I've said it. You've said it. I get it. But if we're being honest, that's a horrible mentality. It's not the mentality that we want to have if we want to advance and if we want to grow and see things we've never seen before and experience the revival God has for us. You know, if the whole world lived by that mentality, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, do you realize we would never have innovation we would never have innovators. You know, we would probably still be using corded uh, uh, landline phones that worked just fine instead of now using iPhones, supercomputers that fit in the palm of our hand. You know, if, if, if the whole world just operated by if it ain't broke, don't fix it, then you probably would still see horses and buggies going down this street out here because they work just fine. But now, because some people decided, yeah, no, it worked, but there's better, now we have vehicles, we have cars and trucks, and, 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 and now we have self-driving vehicles and electric vehicles that, that go down the road beside us. Because somebody said, no, it isn't broke, but it can be better. No, it's not broke, and yeah, it's working fine or okay, but it, it can be better. Even Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. I, I didn't come to tear down everything. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying all the stuff that I talked about in the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore. I'm not saying you don't need to honor your father and mother anymore. I'm not saying gender distinction doesn't matter anymore. I'm not saying that, that, that you can steal now. And No. He said, I came to fulfill it. 
I came to make it better. Yeah, it wasn't completely broke, but it sure wasn't where it could be and need to be. And I've come down to earth to fix this thing and to make this thing better. Thank God that he didn't have, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. He said, no, it may not be totally broken, but it sure could be better. And now I'm going to write the law upon their hearts. Now I'm going to get it on the inside of them. Now I'm going to give them fleshly tablets instead of tablets of stone. Because there's better, and there's more, and there's greater. And Jesus is not in the business of average. Jesus is not in the business of good. Jesus does not want you to have to drag yourself around by, by the seat of your pants your whole life and just barely make it through and barely survive and barely come to church and barely be blessed and barely see the power of God. No, Jesus is in the business of greater. What does it say in Luke 5, 39? Remember we talked about the old wine and the new wine? Well, get this, just in case you still don't believe me. You can go and read this when you get home as well. Luke 5, 39, it says, uh, No man also having drunk old wine straightway desires new. Why? For he says, the old is better. Now, please understand, nothing in this sermon is talking about the old paths, the old ways, or the doctrine that we preach. None of this is talking about subtracting that. Of course not. Of course not. We have nothing if we don't have this ancient, beautiful book and the truths therein. So please don't misunderstand me tonight. But another translation says of this, Luke 5, 39, no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says the old is good enough. May that not be the mentality that I live by and you live by and this church and our apostolic churches live by. The way we've always done it is good enough. Seeing, seeing 50 people receive the Holy Ghost a year, that's good enough. Why couldn't it be 100 or 150? Seeing somebody healed of, of diabetes or healed of, of back pain or neck pain every now and then, that's, that's good enough. That's how we've always done it. Really, and it couldn't be greater, and you don't believe that there can start being people healed of, not that those things aren't, aren't, aren't good and awesome, but you don't believe that there could be greater? You don't believe that there could be greater miracles take place in front of your very eyes? Is that really the mentality that we want to live by? The old is good enough, the way we've always done it is good enough. And we don't even want to look at ourselves and our own lives and say, Jesus, can I be better? We don't even want to say, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We don't even want to ask the Lord, is, is, the, is, there, is there a higher dimension I can step into? Because the old is good enough. One man said, the new ideas of the gospel will not be accommodated by old patterns of thought. And Jesus said this in Luke because he recognizes that old habits and ways of thinking are not easily changed. Jesus knew there would be people and there would be Pharisees that would say, why are you coming down trying to wreck this system? Why are you trying to change the way that, that we've always done things? The old is, is good enough. It's fine. But Jesus, Jesus saw, no, there's greater, there's better. I'm not trying to destroy everything. I'm not trying to tear down. I'm not, come on, I'm here to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. And I created the law in the first place. Don't you think I can make it better? And he's saying, I created you and created you, Brother Claiborne, in the first place. Don't you think I can improve? Don't you think I can make you better? The old is not good enough. 
And the church cannot survive on an if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. John 14 and 12, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. Greater works, greater miracles. How many want that? Anybody? How many want that? How many want greater miracles? How many want to see more in your own life, in the life of your family, in the life of this church? How many want greater? I know I'm preaching to a church that wants greater, and you are not satisfied with where you are right now. And if that's who I'm preaching to, I wonder if you'd stand, and I wonder if you could lift your hands all across this house. Come on, if you are somebody and you feel that God has spoken to you tonight, and you don't want to stay here where you are, come on, can you lift your hands and can you lift your voice? Come on, God is looking for some people to reduce so God can revive. We have to reduce so God can revive. Come on, we want to see revival where there's got to be some reduction. There's got to be some killing of our wills. There's, uh, there's got to be some consecration. There's got to be some self-sacrifices. The more we consecrate ourselves and the more we kill our will, God will have more opportunity to operate. Oh, come on, just for a few seconds. Just for a few seconds, come on. Let's let God talk to us what he wants to say, what he wants to speak to us. Come on right now. Come on, good is the enemy of great. Come on. We have to subtract anything from our lives that keeps us from going higher in God. Maybe it's a person in our life. Maybe it's a relationship that we've held on to that really is not healthy for us and it has not allowed us to step into the, to the dimensions of greater. Maybe God's wanting you to let go of that good or decent relationship and give you a better one. Come on, what is it? What is it? Can you talk to God? Let him talk back to you tonight. Oh, Jesus. I'm done preaching, and I'm going to open this altar here in just a minute. And I know this was different tonight. There's a lot of different ways we could have gone. But listen, even in this kind of service, as you come up and you make the decision to say less of me, God, more of you, and you make the decision to consecrate yourself, I believe God can fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight if you need the Holy Ghost. Why? Because in order for God to sweep in and fill us, we have to first subtract or repent. What is repentance if not subtraction of ourselves, our own sins, and our own will? If you need the Holy Ghost tonight, you come forward and you subtract, you repent, and God will add his spirit unto you. I'm preaching to each and every one of us in this house. John 15, 1 through 2, my final passage, and I believe the Holy Ghost is going to fall, and God is going to, 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 to do special things here tonight. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Here's my last point. We understand the first part. But do we understand the second? We understand that if there's a branch that's not bearing fruit and is not trying to bear fruit, if there's a branch that's pretending to be a part of the tree, but it really does not care about the things of God or the work of God and, and it just kind of does its own thing and it's just really not living right and living holy, eventually that branch is going to be taken away. I think we all understand that. But do we understand the second part, that even the branches that bear fruit, those are going to get cut too. 
So God does not only take away the bad, he subtracts the good too. To hurt us, to mess with us, no. He does it that it may bring forth more fruit. He subtracts the good to make room for great. He subtracts the good to make room for more. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but maybe you feel like there's been a purging on you. Maybe you feel like you're being pruned. Well, maybe it's just the trials of life that can happen. Maybe it's just the cares and struggles of life that we all have to go through and experience. I'm not saying I don't know your life and situation. It may not be God. It may just be a trial you're going through. Or it could be God working on you, pruning you, cutting some things off of you that are not comfortable, but he's doing it to bring forth more fruit because a father chastens his children that he loves. He only rebukes and chastens and corrects and prunes because he deeply and profoundly loves you. I'm done preaching, and I don't know who I've talked to tonight, but if I've talked to you, these altars are open, and I want to invite you to come. Come on, if God has spoken to you in any way, shape, or form tonight, I want you to come. If you need the Holy Ghost and you would like to just subtract some things, some fear, some doubt, whatever it is, and, and you would like to have the Spirit added unto your life, then just come and lift your hands and repent of your sins and subtract your sins and watch God add unto you. If you're tired of the place that you are and you want more and you want greater and you know there's some things that God has been asking you to let go of, why don't you come and let go? Why don't you come to this front and surrender? I need your glory. Jesus, I need your glory. I want your glory. I say less, less of me and more of you. Come on. Is what I need. If he takes something away, it's only because he's going to give something back. That's better in return. Show me your power. Now is the time of greater. Now is the time to not go back. Now is not the time to stay where we are. Now is the time to go forward. Now is the time for greater, greater miracles, greater revival, greater power, greater blessing than we've ever seen before. Oh, less of me, Jesus. more of you is what I need. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me.